Thank you for joining the Zen Care Podcast. These recorded Dharma talks are given freely to our community in the heart of New York City, which we are honored to now share with you. New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care is dedicated to transforming the nature of care through contemplative practice by meeting illness, aging, and death with compassion and wisdom. Learn about us at zencare.org. And today for me feels particularly tender because yesterday, 12 Sangha members, some of them are here. Sat Tangario, which is a traditional day of sitting when you become a formal Zen student and other formal students showed up online to support them and four of them sat in the Zendo all day, sealing their commitment to practice the three treasures, the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, as well as sealing their relationship with their particular teacher and so I'm really delighted for Sensei Choto's new formal Zen students, Beth Hayward and Rachel Klaubner Spiden, Marsha Robbins and Jenny Chivalry, and my new students, Michael Armstrong and Shannon Connors Casillo, Sam Haddix, Rob Hoffman, Isaac Kendall Sloan, Stephanie Napolitano, Jessica or back in Alon Zachary. Some of them are here. And it's just very tender. So I was really thinking about it, in particular after reading the piece by Dogen, the selection for today about, you know, we're back to fame and gain. <laughs> Clearly Dogen was like, yep, in the beginning, in the middle, in the end, he's like, gotta watch it, you know? And I was really thinking about fame and gain in more subtle ways. You know, and as we've talked about that Dogen was also, you know, kind of famous. (laughs) And a rebel rouser and built a humongous monastery. So what do we practice for? You know, he says, is a a greatly mistaken view held by heretics within the Buddha Dharma, as well as a troop of demons who slander the true Dharma. Does this view mean that the Buddha ancestors who do not seek fame and gain are unable to benefit sentient beings? What a laugh, what a laugh. Not seeking can benefit beings. How is it so? Those who, without understanding this, promote what is not beneficial as beneficial are a troop of demons. Sentient beings helped by such demons are bound for hell. 
such demons should deplore that their lives are in darkness. Do not regard such ignorant ones as beneficent beings. So he's not really mincing words here, taking a stand. But what is he taking a stand about? You know, because I think in, you know, it's really important to realize what he's also talking about is, you know, he understood that in a moment we can be kind of like a demon. <laughs> we can be like filled with resentment or envy or those kind of energies, right? No problem. But also when we start to believe our thoughts and believe our grasping thoughts and believe my Oh, endless delusions of separation. We slander the true Dharma, thinking that I'm a certain way, thinking you're a certain way. And then he kind of, you know, that fame and gain is just like the grasping. I want to be known. You know, so often, you know, you know, the teacher-student relationship is so tricky. You know, I know it has been for me where I really wanted my teacher to like me for a long time. I wanted us to be friends. I wanted it to be familiar. And it took me a long time to understand actually what the relationship is. But I realized that from my, you know, I was reflecting on it this morning and just like that wanting fame, it's almost like wanting to be famous to the teacher in a way. Like I wanted to be like known and celebrated in a certain way for like actually a certain aspect of myself. I wanted to gain their approval, I wanted to gain. And allow the kind of that kind of fame to cover over my strangeness, my eccentricity, my weirdness. So in many ways, my desire for fame and gain in the student teacher relationship and this is something still, of course, that needs attention. It's not like you ever arrive. You know, it still shows up, you know, in my weekly meetings with Diane in subtle ways and not subtle ways. But to me, the great part of practice is that we get to, all right, when I kind of go down that path, it's really, as Dogen says, turns my life into darkness. And I love that he also says, you know, and other people around us are bound for hell in that way. It's like we take everyone with us when we get caught in our story. If I'm caught in my story about me, then you're also caught in my story. And then we all just go into like the fiery depths 
and there's like no real connection. And the amazing part is like, we can just, you know, <laughs> have a cat that's knocking things over. And uh, Bodhi's a wild little demon. And, uh, you know, but it's just about how do we kind of catch that? And not have any shame or blame about it. Just like, yes, we all have this to work with. All this different, like subtle ways we want our friends to see us a certain way. We want our teacher to see us a certain way. Ah, endless ways. In a way that we make often in the student-teacher relationship, it makes it really distorted. Because if we're trying to get fame and gain from our teacher, then we don't really meet them either. I definitely have done that plenty. I wonder if any of you have ever done that in a relationship, perhaps. And it becomes like this very charged situation. Because I'm wanting them to, in a way, actually be like a show pony for me. Like, give me my cookie, give me my make me feel good. To me, the beauty of a teacher is that they're much more interested in your awakened nature than in making you feel good. Because if we just feed those habits of fame and gain in ourselves, in my experience, we don't become freer. Definitely been my experience. And many people, I think that, uh, it's really challenging in some ways to realize that the student-teacher relationship, while it has a power dynamic in it, which is just part of how it is, just that's how it is. Where it's headed is mutuality. There's this really you know, beautiful part that's asking both people to arrive together in an intimacy and freedom. I mean, that's the only reason I think it's interesting. <laughs> the world doesn't need anything other than that, as far as I know. But learning how to work with, you know, outer structures of power, and then also finding your own personal power, your own expression. Because to me, the beauty also is like not having to be like your teacher and not having to be 
I've never been interested in having a teacher who wanted me to be like them or to please them. I mean, that's what's so great to me about Diane is like she couldn't and outwardly be more different <laughs> than me. We laugh a lot about it. And yet we have a very shared heart. So I'm not gonna become a hippie doing yoga and doing, well, who knows, but you know, perhaps <laughs> could happen. But you know, like I am not going and I'm not working with her so that I can become like her. so happy that she is she in her own wisdom and her own experience so to me it's like always about like how do you show up to that mutuality and kind of allowing the fame and gain part you know not to suppress it because we have to work with it but learning how to have a direct relationship, both inside oneself and outside in relationship. So one of the things I've loved, I love so much about Zen practice, so inspiring. It's like, it's really about how do you keep uncovering, allowing yourself to be more spontaneous. And to me, the only way you do that that I know, I mean, if you can find another way, you should do that, but is to like really commit. To not go away. So easy to kind of be a little bit outside. But to me, Tangario is like this kind of moment where you say like, yes, I'm going to do this. But it's just also a moment. Because the, the yes and mutuality is a moment by moment practice. Learning to show up again and again. And to me, it, it has takes that mutuality and learning to relax into that and to be able to wonder about like, wow, what is here? Who am I in this moment? What's alive? right now not what i dragged in here because you'll just always drag shit in there anyone ever drag anything into a relationship just one couple of you the rest of you are totally free <laughs> but to me it's like that kind of how do you do that? How do you learn how to trust? 
your own experience. But your own experience of the moment that you're having in that moment, not, hmm, is this really what's going on or not what's going on? Do you like me or don't you like me? Am I getting this right or not right? Maybe some of you have gotten caught in that trap before. Anyone? One. <laughs> it's such a hell realm. Like to me, like that's actually what Dogen's talking about. Like we're that's like when the demons like have brought us all into the hell realms. It's just like that is a hell realm. Being caught in like, am I doing this right or not right? It's a form of a hell. Not a lot of freedom there. Not a lot. So how will you meet your own fame and gain, your desire for fame and gain, and maybe the way that you haven't thought about it before? Wanting to lift yourself up some of you know, we just gave many talks about the precepts. And to me, the, so many of the precepts are also addressing the same point of elevating oneself, disparaging others. This to me is like another language around fame and gain. But to me, it's like, how do we tend to that part of us that feels inadequate or feels shy or feels insecure and that we're dragged around so many places. And to just say, they're there, they're there. I see you, I hear you. Little, little aspect that's like really young and needs so much to be loving towards that aspect and also enter what is fresh. So it's not about suppressing anything, but learning to step into something new, which is so exciting because it's always available what's new. So to me, it's like the you know, the practice instruction for today was working with challenges of delusion as a place of practice, right? Wow. <laughs> the challenges of delusion. To me, that's why we need, you know, Manjushri Bodhisattva. How they ride on the lion. Rawr. learning to kind of go through our delusion. How do you tap into your own wildness and move out of your habit? Even if you've been stuck in the habit for decades, who cares? But how about right now? How do you show up? 
How do you hold back? Get in touch with your lion. It's always there. And there's a reason why these, these images of these awakening beings like Manjushri, now she is on a lion to cut through our delusions, to enter our own wisdom is to be in touch with that kind of ferocious lion. She has her sword. What's your sword? Does it appear like a letter opener? Sometimes my sword is just at the top of my head, like, come back, come back, come back, softly patting my head. Where's your sword? What is it? And it's the sword that brings life and cuts through what is, brings us into those hell realms. Because what brings us into those hell realms is not usually what's actually happening. To find your sword that cuts through delusion And to me, it's so wonderful to actually use it, to catch ourselves, to catch our mind. So like when we go from feeling the thought so quickly and thought into that actions and stories and rumination and habit, so much of it is just habit. And do something new. So great to be with all of you. Find your sword. Roar like a lion. And enjoy.